0: We want you to know you absolutely matter to God, and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. Uh, my wife is in the States today in Florida, and, and as soon as this uh, service is done, I'll have to make my way to the airport and pick her up. She is um, she's half American, um, not the good half. Uh, no, I'm just... Um, Glad she's in Florida right now. Actually, uh, I, I was thinking about some of the differences between um, like the things that only happen in in America. Uh, one of those things is like commercials for prescription drugs. Seems odd, you know. And then most of the commercial is please don't use if you're pregnant or if you're on a roller coaster. Or um, how about tailgate parties? That seems a uniquely American thing. Here it comes. Yeah. Uh, now we've adopted that somewhat, but that—that's a—that's a big deal in the states. Keeping your shoes on inside the house. I, boo is right. Yeah. Do you know that like half of the kitchens have garbage disposals? Like. Uh, only 2% in Canada, but, but half the kitchen's in the U.S. How about Black Friday? Again, we've adopted it, but that's that's a real thing there. Um, only country still sticking with imperial measurements. How about that? Yeah, good for them. <laughs> this obsession with college sports. You ever been to a college uh, game in Canada? Of course you haven't. No one has. <laughs> How about spray cheese? Yeah, (sighs) Uh, very American. How about this: 9.5 unused vacation days for every American? I'm not sure why that is exactly. I mean, I, 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 I get it, but that's that's a very American thing. And then. You know, for the average German with their twelve weeks of vacations, am I right? No, no. Okay, he'll correct me afterwards. Sixteen, 16 sorry. <laughs> a sabbatical once a year. All right. We're in this series on the difference between Christianity and other religions, and uh, right now you're probably wondering what on earth that introduction has to do with anything. It's it's because we're talking today about two distinctly American. Religions, and if you'll allow me to just take five more minutes than my usual long spiel just to, to fit into well, we'll get you out on time, but we're talking about two religions that were formed in America, and you know we kicked it off talking about Eastern religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, we looked at Judaism, all the things related to Islam uh, last week uh, or or sorry before our Christmas series, we talked about the difference between Protestants and Catholics. Today, let's look at two that originated in America, and relatively speaking, quite recently, they are the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, uh, better known as the Mormons, and uh, the Watchtower Society, better known as the Jehovah's Witness. Very good. And Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses have really only been around since the 1800s but are now, you know, firmly entrenched in the religious landscape. And in many ways they are similar to each other. Sometimes you may have trouble remembering, is that a a Mormon thing or is that a JW thing? And I forget sometimes and you'll see today there are some similarities. There are also some major differences. Um, So especially with the orthodox, true, creedal Christian faith. So if the theme of this series is, well, so what's the difference anyways? I hope you'll see that there are actually some irreconcilable differences. Um, Both are distinctly American religions that have spread globally. Both had a, a charismatic founding leader. Both Um, challenge the Bible as the source of ultimate truth, both have a a shared view of salvation, and both, to say the least, have a checkered history. Uh, Enough to raise the question at the beginning, are they Christian? Are they a cult? Are they just counterfeit? So, So let's dig in, beginning with the larger of the two, Mormonism. What do you think of when you... Hear the word Mormon. Who do you think of? Um, you might think of you know two young clean-cut men in white shirts on bicycles. You might think of the state of Utah. You might think of the rumor circulating that they have to wear holy underwear. It's it's true. Uh, others of you may think of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Uh, you may have seen these very professional and kind of heartwarming commercials about marriage and family. Some of you might think of the well-known Mormons like um, Mitt Romney, uh, Andy Reid, the coach of uh, the Chiefs, uh, the author Stephanie Myers, who wrote the Twilight series, uh, Team Jacob, by the way, uh, my favorite actor, <laughs> John John he- he- Heater, who is Napoleon Dynamite, Donnie and Marie Osmond, no? Okay, I'm old, and um, even on the darker side of things, uh, Ted Bundy, serial killer Ted Bundy. Or maybe all that comes to mind is is this Broadway hit, The Book of Mormon. Whatever comes to mind, uh, you've heard of them, and today there are more than 16 million members, half of them in the US, most of them, two million, in Utah. Currently there's about 200,000 in an increasingly secular Canada. The reason you might have seen them in their white shirts on bicycles going knocking door to door, maybe even your door, is because there are currently 65,000 full-time volunteer missionaries. It's expected that young men would serve for two years as a missionary, usually right out of high school before college, um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the Mormon Church was organized by Joseph Smith, very good and, uh, and five others and this was on April 6, 1830 this is Joseph Smith he believed that the true Church of Jesus Christ was completely wiped out at the time of Constantine the Roman Emperor who uh, converted to the Christian faith in, in 312 A.D only with the coming of his Mormon church through the leadership in the 1800s in America was the true church restored. And Joseph Smith claimed to receive his first vision in the spring of 1820 at the ripe old age of 14. And that vision, Smith says, told him that all the current religions were wrong. And uh, so a couple red flags off, off the bat, um, that are often common to cults. One, everyone has it wrong, only I can fix it. Um, There are no faithful Christians except us. Um, Just, you know, just trust my unverifiable um, personal visions. And uh, on on September 21st, 1823, Joseph Smith claimed to have received a visit from an angel named uh, Moroni who informed him of a book written on golden plates, hidden in the heel near his home in, in New York State. And in 1827, that angel delivered the plates to Smith to translate. And that supposed translation is what Smith later produced as the Book of Mormon. The word Mormon comes from a being named Mormon who was said to be the father of the angel Moroni, who appeared to Smith, you tracking with me so far? So, in Mormon theology, angels have fathers, which is maybe the least troubling part of their theology. And uh, these golden plates supposedly recorded uh, God's dealings with the former inhabitants of America. The the plates, as transcribed by Smith, contended that the American Indians were actually the descendants of Old Testament Jews who migrated to America centuries earlier. And uh, Smith had 5,000 copies of his book printed in 1830, and then people asked to see the plates from which this book was written, and he said they'd been returned with the angel. Uh, He soon began to attract a religious following, and he led his followers as their prophet, the first Mormon temple is established in 1836, and persecution begins almost immediately. They get chased out of New York, uh, then Ohio, then Missouri, then Illinois, and the persecution was largely focused on, on two things. First, the issue of polygamy, uh, which was considered immoral back then, and today as well, and uh, uh, wrong uh, f- f- as Christians and and for the culture. The practice of having multiple wives was encouraged by Smith. Um, he had 40 wives himself. The, the new religion was also seen as a threat to society, uh, even treasonous. And it probably didn't help that Smith actually ran for president of the United States with the expressed intent of establishing a political kingdom over non-Mormons. So Smith and his brother were put in jail, and while there, they were killed by a mob. Uh, Smith was only 38 years old uh, at the time of his death. And a new leader emerged, uh, a man by the name of Brigham Young, who took over the leadership of this young church. And uh, under the direction of Young, the, the group moved again, this time and finally to the state of Utah, where they, they live in isolation from kind of the rest of the culture. They created what they call the New Jerusalem. And as I said, more than 2 million are there to this day. And so in honor of the leader who took them there, they named their flagship private university, Brigham Young University. And I think what's more important in the history is what do they believe to this day? Well, the heart of the Mormon teaching is found in Smith's 13 Articles of Faith, okay? So it's kind of um, synthesized in these 13 beliefs. Let me just give you some of their more unique ideas. Um, First, you can become a God. In fact, they say God the Father was once a man who simply got a head start on evolving towards Godhead or Godhood. And, and he still has a human body. And that means that one day Mormons will all be gods. And if they marry in a Mormon temple and, and the husband and wife team will actually be assigned their own planet to rule over as gods and goddesses of that planet. And so Mormons are not monotheists who believe in one God. You know, as Christians, Jews, Hindus, or sorry, as Muslims believe, they are polytheists who believe in millions of gods, which puts them more in the Hindu camp. As far as Jesus is concerned, Mormons do not believe he was God in human form. Don't let them tell you otherwise. He wasn't the second person of the Trinity. Mormons don't believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Instead, they believe that Jesus is the literal, physical Son of God, and that he had a brother named, anyone know? Yes, Lucifer, Satan. And uh, yeah, that Lucifer. And when he came to earth, it wasn't through a virgin birth. Jesus was born as a result of God the Father, who, remember, is, in their thinking, a human body having sex with Mary and as as how how someone is saved in the Mormon faith well they would say it's by grace but that phrase only means in terms of immortality meaning grace raises you from the dead once that grace comes then the works kick in if you're going to have your sins forgiven if you're going to receive godhood in the celestial kingdom Uh, where God the Father dwells, it is, um, it's as if grace only allows you to then go and earn all that Christ has to offer. And to earn it, oh man, you must be a member of the Mormon church, be married to a Mormon, keep all the commandments, do temple work, on and on and on. No tobacco, no uh, soda, no uh, coffee, I'm out right there. No alcohol, no iced tea. Uh, but no matter what you do, no one can enter the celestial kingdom of the righteous without the express permission of Jesus? No, Joseph Smith. So as far as the Mormon church itself, it is led by apostles, and the head of the church is the president and chief prophet who's expected to receive fresh Revelations from God, such as well, such as when a past president decided polygamy is no longer the to be practiced on Earth. It will be, you know, practiced on the planets. Now, the cynical among us um, may have looked at that change and thought it was odd that at the time Utah was applying for statehood. And they were told they would never be accepted into statehood if it was a state that accepted polygamy. And then suddenly, the president had this epiphany that polygamy should no longer be practiced until planets. And then they were accepted into statehood. But I'm just probably being a cynic about that. Interestingly, though, not long ago, the state legislature of Utah went back to its Mormon roots and decriminalized polygamy. Another change that a Mormon president made uh, late in the game was the reversal on the state of African Americans. You know, because in Mormon theology, black folks were considered cursed with the curse of Cain. That's why they have dark skin, supposedly. They are cursed people. And that's why in Mormon theology, a black person could never enter the priesthood And you could never be part of a religious or spiritual leadership. That was official doctrine until 1978. That alone should make you a little angry. And and then there's the Bible. Mormons believe that the Bible is only correct in so far as it was correctly translated. And the only ones who can correctly translate it are Mormon leaders. And further, there are now um, books that have equal authority or elevated authority more than the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of the Covenants, um, the Pearl of Great Price. So that's what Mormons believe. And if you know anything about the Christian faith, you know that this is raising some serious tension points with Christianity, to say the least. Um, The first and most obvious is that here you have a religion claiming to be Christian when it teaches doctrine after doctrine, idea after idea that is in direct contradiction with the Christianity found in the Bible. And so our first question, is this like historic Christianity? Are Mormons just sort of like another denomination like Baptists and Pentecostals and Anglicans and Christian Missionary Alliance? Friends, let me just be super clear. No, wrong, nada, not even close. It's not a a denomination. It is a non-Christian religion, and maybe even worse in the sense that it claims to be and sometimes obfuscates or hides the most serious points of differences. And what confuses people is that they use a lot of the same vocabulary, that we do, but you gotta understand the definitions are from, I mean, two different dictionaries. When we say Jesus, and they say Jesus, when we say grace, and they say grace, when we talk scripture, and they talk scripture i mean we 're talking about two very different things but but that 's not all. The Book of Mormon that joseph Smith said was was written by an angel or given to him by an angel um, and and supposedly a record of two ancient civilizations that were located on the North American continent. The last vestiges of these civilizations ended around. 400 AD. So according to Joseph Smith, they ended fairly recently in terms of, you know, the history of the world. And the Book of Mormon speaks about at least 38 major cities built in North America by people called the Nephites and the Jaredites. And so obviously, if there have been such a vast and mighty civilizations, you would think there would be maybe even an iota of historical and archaeological evidence to support this, do you, do you think there is? Not even a little bit, not even a, a, a shred of archaeological support um, in in existence for any historical claims of, of the Book of Mormon. Then there's the leader Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. He's an interesting person. Uh, Smith was found guilty of fraud in Brainbridge, uh, New York on uh, March 20th, 1826, for claiming to be able to find buried treasure with a special stone and uh, failed to do so. He was then convicted as an imposter and a fraud. Now get this, that conviction was three years after the angel Moroni had supposedly visited Smith and told him about these golden plates. And then there's the Book of Mormon itself. Joseph Smith claimed that the Book of Mormon was, and I quote, the most correct of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion. And you know what? Ironically, some parts of it are. And here's why. Because vast sections of it were actually just copied and pasted from the King James Version of the Bible. I kid you not, just lifted right out of it, more than 27,000 words, entire sentences and sections are found verbatim in the King James Version of the Bible, which is interesting since the KJV was translated from the original Hebrew and Greek manuscripts um, into King James English in the 1600s. Yet Joseph Smith claims that the Book of Mormon was supposedly translated from ancient Egyptians. Kids, let this be a lesson to you. That sort of falls into the dumb criminal category when you're trying to get away with plagiarism, which has been in the news a lot lately, plagiarism. You you don't have Egyptians speaking in King James English, for one, um, which is dumb with a capital D. But not only that, since the original 1830 edition, the Book of Mormon, which supposedly comes directly from these gold plates from angels, has gone through almost 4,000 edits. Uh, Yeah, the Mormon church has officially changed this book 4,000 times. For example, there are six versions of the first version. There are a dozen variations of the story of him finding and translating the plates. So this doesn't help the claim to truth. Mormons also claim that, they, that there were three witnesses to the golden plates being found by Smith, and their testimony is in the front of every Mormon Book of Mormon book that's published today. But what isn't stated is that all three of them, David Whitmer, Martin Harris, Oliver Cowdery, either left the Mormon church or discredited Joseph Smith or disavowed ever seeing these plates. So... The three witnesses have denied it outright. And of course, there are no golden plates available for us to examine or uh, you know, they were conveniently returned. So let's go back to our original question. Is Mormonism uh, Christian, cult, or counterfeit? It's clearly not Christian. It may not have the, words matter, so it may not have the official sociological trappings of a, of a cult for those who study that sort of thing. But the evidence points to it being a a counterfeit. Now, let's shift and look at the Watchtower Society, better known as as the Jehovah's Witness, and let me introduce you to them by telling a true story. Um, This is a friend of a friend, and uh, it's unfortunately a very familiar story, and maybe some of you know somebody with a story like this. This was a man named Paul. And uh, up to the age of 28, Paul had been a Jehovah's Witness in good standing. And um, so much so that he had been elevated in leadership circles at their central headquarters in New York. Paul had willingly placed the control of his life under their leadership because he felt that all other religious groups had it wrong. And he also felt that he had to work his way into heaven as the church taught. So he put in his quota of 100 hours of time a month, the sale of 100 magazines and 40 books a month. He reported his time to the elders so that they um, could keep his file up to date because every, every Jehovah's Witness has a file that is kept on them with notes about their Behavior. He skipped college because higher education was forbidden. He he secretly followed other members of the church around at night in order to see if they were sinning because he was told to spy on them, and if they were caught, guess where that went in their file. He absolutely refused to read or hear anything contrary to the teachings of the Watchtower um, because he was told that... um, you know, that would go in your file as well. But as time went by, Paul began to have some questions. He, he mentioned just some wrestling he had to his father, who promptly turned him in to the elders, who brought him to trial for heresy. And uh, that too was put on Paul's file. Then Paul had a joy beyond compare. Uh, Paul and his wife gave birth to a little girl. Five weeks after little Jenny was born, they discovered she had a rare blood disorder and she needed an emergency blood transfusion to have any hope of saving her life. Now, Paul has a big problem now because the Jehovah's Witness also teach that it is wrong to have a blood transfusion. It's not permitted. And the reason it isn't permitted is because they choose to interpret this obscure Old Testament passage in the Bible to mean don't eat blood when it is actually about, um, you know, not to eat an animal that is still alive. Big difference. Anyway, Paul told the doctors, being a good Jehovah's Witness, that they couldn't save Jenny's life. The hospital immediately contacts child welfare, and a court, uh, a court order is issued to ensure that Jenny would receive this life-saving uh, blood, the elders of the church came and told Paul and his wife, you know, to ignore the court order, to sneak Jenny out of the hospital. That it was better for her to die than receive blood, and that's that's actually was the breaking point for Paul, who who had enough and could go no further. In fact, he was secretly glad that the court had ordered. Them to give Jenny this life-saving procedure, and he refused the church elders' request. In essence, their request to murder his daughter. The elders were so upset hearing that, that upon leaving the hospital, one of them whispered to him, I hope she gets hepatitis. Paul and his wife then began, for the first time in their life, to search the Bible for answers. And they found those answers, the ones that were left out of the Watchtower Society, and they committed their lives to following Christ, and they were promptly excommunicated from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, You know, friends and family, this happens so much where you are cut off, forbidden to have contact with your own flesh and blood. They call the process shunning. And now fast forward, their daughter, Jenny, after six wonderful, special years, um, ended up passing from the complications related to her birth. And at the funeral, the first four rows are saved for family members. Not one of them came. Um, It had been forbidden by the church. That That is a true life summary of a Jehovah's Witness testimony. And along with that, they don't celebrate Christmas, they do not sing national anthems, they thought, they think it would be idolatry, they don't vote, they don't celebrate Mother's Day or Easter. Where's all this coming from? Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses was founded by this guy Charles Taze Russell in the late 19th century. And it, it was originally taught as a blend of uh, you know, prophecy, end of the world warnings, beginning with a prediction that the world would end in 1874. And it, it, as it developed and grew, it became more openly antagonistic towards Christian teaching and the idea of the Trinity, as well as the idea that Jesus is God came to earth. Folks, these are kind of like top 10 most important things in our faith. And in fact, um, they were very committed to talking Christians out of Christianity as much as they could. So the door-to-door witnessing efforts of Jehovah's Witnesses are highly trained efforts designed to argue and to twist scripture to make it fit watchtower doctrine. And if if they have someone open the door and they find out it's a Christian, bingo, cha-ching. Like I thought, I thought that would end the conversation. It turns out it's like they won the lottery. Um, because to convert a Christian is is like um, in their point system, you know it, that's the big one. That's the big whale to catch. Here, here are some of the other beliefs that they hold. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus was nothing more than someone created by God. In fact, they believe that he is actually Michael the Archangel. And there was no bodily resurrection of Jesus. Uh, They say it just looked like there was. They also believe the Holy Spirit is not a person, but sort of this, you know, energy force. They even have their own translation of the Bible. It's the New World Translation, which is just rife with countless mistranslations from the Hebrew and the Greek in order to retrofit their watchtower ideas. Like, imagine coming up with a belief system and then editing the Bible to reverse engineer it so it it fits your teaching. It's outrageous, outrageous. And when it comes to the idea of salvation, they contend that only 144,000 will make it, at least, you know, make it all the way to heaven with Jesus Christ where they'll, they'll rule. The rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses, if they're lucky, Will stay on earth, so if you aren 't part of the one hundred and forty four thousand or part of the group that that, that remains on earth you 're simply annihilated. How do you get in the top one hundred and forty four thousand um, well like let 's do the simple math first of all, even if you forget the jehovah 's witnesses who have lived before uh, or who will you know come in the future um, right now there's eight Million of them, 150,000 in Canada, and uh, like with 144,000, not even all the polite Canadians are gonna make it. And you almost have this sense uh, like, I wondered when I first was meeting Jehovah's Witnesses why there was this, you know, sense of stress and panic and striving. Well, I'd feel that way too if. The list was this short, and uh, I had to make that list, you know? And here's the thing. You won't know whether you made it until you die and stand before God, which, by the way, is too late for you to do anything about it. So you have to work as hard as you possibly can now and kind of hope for the best. So it's kind of like the Mormons in that you have to earn your salvation going you know, the bar is so high. And if you if you know devout Jehovah's Witnesses, man, you know they work. They work. You have to um, account for a certain number of hours a week going door to door. You have to sell a certain number of, of magazines, certain number of books. You have to attend five meetings a week at the church. I mean, I was glad that we stopped doing Sunday night services, but like five a week. They call it the kingdom Paul. Um, it's kind of like Amway with none of the upside, I guess is what I'm saying. And having no assurance of of when you die, um, whether you've made the cut or not. And like I, I, I said with Paul's story, you have to fill out reports and forms about the work you do and the people you work with. And the leaders of the church keep tabs on all this and this master file, which is sent to head office in New York. By the way, if you don't work hard enough or if you step out of line, the teachers of the church will bring you up on trial and take away any chance you might have had for making the cut to go to heaven. More than 70,000 are disfellowshipped every year. Uh, So that's what Jehovah's Witnesses Believe in Practice. And again, if you know anything about the Christian faith, you know that what they believe and practice is simply incompatible with being a Jesus follower. Um, a rejection of some of the most central beliefs of the Christian faith. But one of the biggest red flags, I gotta say, has to do with their big claim to fame, which is their prophecy. This this is critical because much of their growth in the early days came from telling people that the end of the world is near and the only way to escape destruction is by joining the Watchtower Society. And by the way, if any of y'all are thinking of starting a cult, you will never grow poor by appealing to the fear of an end of days and claiming that you have the one true vision of the times and dates. You know, People eat that up. But if you claim your prophecy is from God, it better be from God, and it better come true. This is what the Bible says about that sort of thing. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. And later it says, you should take that lying prophet round back and give him an old-fashioned stoning. So, so let's look at what the Jehovah's Witnesses have prophesied. As I mentioned, they said, first of all, that Armageddon would take place, the end of the world, 1874. I don't know if you know this, but it didn't happen. Um, so they moved the date to 1878. Didn't happen either. Then their founder, Charles Russell, uh, said, actually, <laughs> it did happen, but invisibly, so, so everyone else would be taken to heaven in 1914. That didn't happen. Then they said it would take place in 1925. It didn't happen. Then they said it would take place in 1941. And they even built this house called Beth Sarum. It was designed to hold King David and Solomon and Joseph. When they returned, didn't happen. They sold the house then they said it would take place in 1975 in my lifetime many jehovah's witnesses sold their homes and their property in anticipation of the end of the world so somebody remember that yeah yeah 1975 Is, yeah okay the whole year just just waiting around i don't know if i don't know if you know this brother it didn't happen and um, what they have claimed were prophecies from God himself did not occur and not just once but every single time that they made a prophetic uh, prediction so are they in any sense Christian clearly not and by their own admission they would say they're not are they counterfeit I mean based on the false prophecies alone yes Um. They are false prophets who claim to have a word from God that has been proven time and time again to not be from God at all. But I'll, I'll go further and say that they exhibit cult-like behavior, at least in the sense of this, life control. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses are tightly controlled by the Watchtower headquarters and are told that um, they are not to interpret the Bible themselves. They've got to avoid independent thinking. Um, They are never to question what the Watchtower says. They practice this shunning that I talked about. In other words, all the classical sociological markings of a cult. So there you have it. The two largest, most thriving, most recent North American religions, the, the collective stance of the Christian faith is unified in both, in both of them, in saying um, they stand in the way of orthodox, historic Christianity. And both are counterfeit in nature. Many of them uh, claim things that are just simply false, maybe even intentional in their deceit, and, and one of them even bears the marks of being a, a classic cult. But ultimately, ultimately, you have to decide. I, I have. I fear I've been a bit glib. I'm not. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. Um, we are not against Mormon people, Jehovah's Witness people. They are. They are. Imago Dei created in the image of God. They are lost people who need Jesus. We love them. But they they have been blinded from truth. And maybe you are even listening today, maybe on our podcast, maybe in Africa where we're where we're on the radio. And I would just I would just strongly encourage you to do your homework. It's not encouraged in those organizations where, you know, whereas nothing would make me happier than for you to just explore the basis, the beliefs, the, the, the foundation of Christianity. The average Mormon has no idea what their church really teaches. In fact, if you're a Mormon, what we've talked about this morning may, may shock you. Um, well, don't take my word for it. Check it out. Check it out. Find out what the church really teaches about these things. It, it's a s- straight-up set of questions. Is there one God or many gods? Is the Bible God's word, or is it the Book of Mormon? Is Joseph Smith really the prophet he claimed to be, or, or, or a con man? And if you're a Jehovah's Witness, I'm, I'm sure you're not hearing my words right now, but if by chance you are, um, if someone by God's grace is hearing this, please... Please, at very least, be highly suspect of anyone who tells you not to ask questions, who tells you not to check things out, not to read, or not to go online. Get Googling. If nothing else, check out the pattern of false prophecy and excuse making. It's a matter of public record. Because if God is involved, you know what his batting average is for prophecy? Thousand. Pastor, may I make a correction to what I just said? Please. It was the Christians in 1950 that got caught up with what the Jehovah was uh, saying. Okay. And the Christians, who weren't educated enough, went and sold their house, houses and all everything they had their belongings and went up on a hill. It never did happen. Before. And see, because there is an, there is enough belief that they are but a denomination, just a... Just a um, you know, adjacent to Christianity, you can see why there is deception. And, you know, this brings me to what um, Jesus himself said. Many will come in my name and will deceive many. And in First John, here's what the Bible says, and this is good instruction for us in 2024. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine What people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Here's how you test for the genuine Spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. And everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness fail that test. Many are very good people. If you know Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, you know they are nice people, good people, hardworking people, tragically living a lie, though. And unlike Christianity, their whole faith system is built around... Um, While the integrity of failed founders, um, failed reliability of their documents, and they fail when it comes to really having a plan for your life, all they offer is this vicious cycle of having to work your way for God's approval. And here's what the Bible says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not by works, so that none of y'all can boast. He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. And not only that, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just 144,000, not those who get the Joseph Smith seal of approval, not just those who work hard enough and earn it, but everyone. If you call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, Welcome to the family.